0: Welcome to The Last Supper, a weekly podcast featuring emergent and established artists, gallerists, curators, and collectors in Asia. Hello, I'm your podcast host, Oscar Van Huis, a Dutch-Korean entrepreneur and artist based on Lama Island in Hong Kong. In this episode, I have the pleasure to meet Yi Gao at Christie's Education in Hong Kong. He explains how she began her career in art, the many roles she fills at Christie's Education, and what makes learning at Christie's unique and special. I like to emphasize that this weekly podcast is entirely free. However, each weekly episode requires enormous personal resources, so I'm asking you a very simple favor. If you enjoyed this podcast, please ensure you subscribe to this podcast channel and share this podcast with your colleagues or friends. Without your support, this podcast would not be possible. And before we begin, I'd like to mention that The Last Supper podcast is supported by the Hong Kong Art Gallery Association, a member-based non-profit organization of established local and international art galleries in Hong Kong. Hello Eve. thank you for inviting me to the Christie's office in Central. How are you today?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well and thank you for asking. When I walked in, I noticed that this meeting room has no art on the wall. Why is that?
1: Yeah, I think we sometimes turn the space into uh, an exhibition space as well for our auction previews, so we just keep it minimum. So these panels can all be removed, and then this space will become much bigger, and there will be paintings hanging on the wall when we have an auction preview here.
0: Last time when we spoke of air, you mentioned that there were two auction seasons, and there is one coming up in November, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, the upcoming auctions will be at the end of November. As usual, we'll be offering an exciting range of objects from Chinese art to contemporary art. And most excitingly, this season we have a T Rex, a gigantic dinosaur fossil, will be on auction for the very first time in Asia. So that's very exciting.
0: Does the public have the opportunity to see the T-Rex skeleton in Hong Kong? And if so, where can they see this?
1: Yeah, it will be on show at the convention center uh, at the end of November. Just You just need to register to come and please do come visit. It's the best time to see art in Hong Kong.
0: I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm curious about how it was decided to have an auction in November and not in August, for example. What is the reason behind this?
1: Um, I'm not, well, I think the auction calendar of Christie's needs to work out globally, because we have auctions in London, New York, Paris, and then Asia, right? We need to make sure our auctions don't clash with auctions at the other offices. And then we also need to make sure our auctions don't clash with auctions at Sotheby's. So that's why it just worked out that way. For Hong Kong, it's always end of May and end of November. And for our competitor, it's always uh, March and October.
0: Okay, so there's this unwritten rule that you both agreed on, and that if you do these months, Christie's is doing it in a different month.
1: Yes, and also it depends on the availability of the convention center, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Let's take a few steps back and talk about how you began working in the art industry here in Hong Kong. What can you say about your background and how you got involved in Christie's education?
1: Sure. Before I joined Christie's, I actually studied law and I worked as a lawyer at a U.S. law firm for five years. After five years of working really, really hard on a lot of IPO projects, I felt, wow, I'm not sure... Um, this is how I envisioned my life to be, always working such long hours. So I decided maybe I should just take a break. So I quit and went traveling in Europe. And I spent about half a year in Europe, and I realized, wow, I really love the history, the, the culture there. And I grew up in China. I went to school in the U.S. I want to gain a deeper understanding of Europe and I decided that maybe the best way to learn about Europe is through the arts. So I enrolled into a program at Christie's Education in London, and I did my second master's degree at Christie's Education London on art, law, and business. So it's still somehow related to my previous background as a lawyer, but also that degree really introduced me to the art and the art market. After I finished this education in London. I came back to Asia and uh, very luckily Christie's education is hiring and I realized, well, I think my journey into the art and art world can really help a lot of people who also want to get to know about art a bit more, but they don't know how to get in. So I decided maybe I can do this role, uh, meaning running educational programs at Christie's and help people who are interested to learn more about art and art market.
0: When you considered to work for Christie's Education in Hong Kong, did you have experience in this art educational field other than your master's that you did at Christie's?
1: No, I didn't have any experience in art education other than that myself did a master's degree, a program at Christie's Education London. So for Christie's Education Asia, I really know what education is at Christie's. I know the kind of programs they offer. I know what their unique advantages are. I know who their target audience are. And of course, my experience as a lawyer helps with the program planning because it requires actually a lot of writing, a lot of thinking through the structure of each program, and also presenting the programs in a a very attractive way to attract people to sign up. And obviously, I am passionate about art. And I'm I'm interested in many, many different categories of art, which, again, it's useful because at Christie's Education, our course covers wide subjects from luxury fashion to Chinese paintings to NFTs. So that interest, that curiosity in wide range of art also help uh, me with this job.
0: If you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what it is like to study at Christie's because I have a somewhat traditional background in that I studied art at an art academy. You mentioned Christie's has a very broad curriculum, but can you specialize as well?
1: Yes, you can specialize. So when I was doing my master's at Christie's Education London, concurrently, so my program was called Art, Law and Business, but concurrently there are programs on Chinese art. So that is one category. And then there are programs on contemporary art. I just happen to specialize on art, law and business because that's somehow related to my previous background. But if you want to specialize, you could. But unfortunately, Christie's Education is no longer offering this master's program. So we are only running short courses now, and we don't really take full-time uh, master's students anymore. But the idea of a short courses is still very similar to when we were running the master's program, which is always very object-based, meaning you get to handle the ceramics, you get to handle the paintings, uh, you get to take a look at them with all the specialists. You learn a history, you also need to learn about the art market. So that's always the key uh, advantage, a unique point of our courses. (music)
0: Christie's has multiple educational programs around the world. Are these programs localized and unique to each part of the world? Or is there a global policy and curriculum that you need to follow?
1: I think the principle of object-based learning is consistent worldwide. Just because we are so close to the auction house, we have all these objects on view all the time. Obviously, we want to take advantage of it. But each location has our freedom to do whatever courses we want to, depending on the local interest. Um, So for example, in Asia, naturally, we tend to run a few more courses in Mandarin, and sometimes in Cantonese. And also in Asia, courses on luxury collectibles are very popular, for example, handbags and jewelry. And of course, in Asia, we have a big focus on Chinese art The other subjects, contemporary art, our market, the speakers, and also the focus will also be more Asia market centric.
0: He said that what makes learning at Christie so unique is that you learn through experience because you have access to the most amazing art objects and artworks in the world. That must be an amazing experience for students to have this unrestricted access to the world.
1: A- absolutely um so for example almost every course that we offer here uh, there will always be some element or one session where you will go with the specialist to go see the paintings during our auction preview or you will go to handle uh object from the Chinese art category. You can ask them any questions how they authenticate these objects, uh, how to look at the condition of these objects, and based on different style, what's the value of these objects, which you really cannot get when you are taking these kind of courses at a university because they don't have that market focus and insight.
0: The people who have an interest in learning at Christie's what can you say about the audience Christie's education Hong Kong attracts?
1: I would say it depends on the course, right? If we have, a, uh, for example, our upcoming course, which is called Art as an Asset Class, uh, I would say most of them come from the finance industry. Or they can be a private banker who wants to get to know about our market because they're seeing the need from their ultra high net worth clients the, the need for them to acquire art, to build art into their wealth collection, right? And so we have that kind of background. We also have lawyers, bankers, other professionals who want to start collecting but don't know how to, don't know where to buy, don't know how to make sure they're buying the, the right artworks. Uh, we also have students when we run a course on the careers in art market, we attracted a lot of students who want to get an idea as to what it is like to work at auction house or work to work at a gallery. So it's quite diverse.
0: We are both based here in Hong Kong, but I wonder if you have more locations to host in-person workshops in Asia, or is Hong Kong the only educational venue for Christie's in Asia?
1: Um, before the before COVID, we mostly run our courses here at our office in uh, Alexandra House, and we run courses at the convention center whenever we have the auctions. So during the auction week, the, for seven full days, you will have all the objects on show. So that's the perfect place for us to, that's the perfect classroom. You can have a lecture here in the education center, and then you can just walk outside and then be immersed in art. Since COVID, uh, most of our courses are virtual, but I have to say before COVID and after COVID, I'm, I'm pretty sure very soon, we will be taking students to Beijing, to Japan, to Korea, to Venice, to Paris, to see art and jewelry. So That kind of art tours kind of is our global campus, global learning learning area. We learn everywhere there's art.
0: I see. So all the visits across Asia to galleries and museums have stopped during the COVID period. But you are planning to continue this as soon as the COVID restrictions have been lifted?
1: Definitely. Uh, We are looking to take students to Tokyo, Seoul, potentially Paris, next year. There are so many great museums, so many great galleries in all these cities. It's really the best learning experience for for ourselves and also for our students.
0: When you organise these city visits, how long are these art city trips for?
1: Um, Maybe three days to a week, uh, depending on our capacity, and also depends on how, also the availability of our clients, right? I mean, if in the summer, and we're going to maybe Tokyo, they will be probably be happy to stay there for a week or even more uh, because there's so much to see. Or maybe we can combine Tokyo with Seoul. Uh, so that would be an interesting trip as well. Uh, we did one in the summer of 2018 to Beijing. That was a four-day uh, art trip in June. It was very hot. So I think by the end, people were happy that it's over. <laughs> it's quite intense going on art trips with us. We line up so many galleries, so many artist studios. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore, I have to say.
0: I imagine that these city trips are extremely immersive, but also really exhausting.
1: Yeah, so it's actually something for for me as the program lead uh, who designs these trips to to think about. It should be the right combination because to enjoy art, If you make it like a classroom style stop after stop after stop it can be counterproductive
0: how do you design these programs and ensure that people stay engaged and continue to learn do you have many rest periods and breaks as well
1: yeah definitely and also we'll be building in um, nice restaurants and obviously if we go to paris we should build in some shopping time perhaps considering that a lot of our participants they are also interested in that. I mean, it's part of the traveling, right? If you are just focused on going to all the museums, you are missing out the many, many other elements of the the city. So it's a holistic experience.
0: You spoke about handbags and jewelry courses. What about collectible cars? Is that something you offer and that I can study and learn about in Hong Kong as well?
1: Well, I we really don't have antique cars. I I have to say, uh, even though we did sell car, we sell cars in London, but we unfortunately uh, we don't have the expertise in house. But I guess we can still run programs here because we can always invite speakers from London and for them to download in virtually. Yeah, everything is possible. I have to say our course launching tomorrow on luxury fashion is a very good example because fashion, dresses, outfits, it's not something that Christie's Asia regularly sells, right? You wouldn't really think, oh, I want to learn about collecting a dress. Not really. But this is a very interesting topic. If you think about how people are curious about the Met Gala, and why are those celebrities dressing up like that. Or if you're curious about all the movie stars, their style, their outfit, their look, and how they present themselves and how the movies dress up their main uh, actors. These all have important uh, relationship with our history and also culture. So this course will bring out some of these interesting aspects of luxury fashion.
0: You must have learned an incredible amount since you have joined Christie's education team because the curriculum is very wide-ranging from Chinese porcelain to luxury items, fashion and antiques.
1: Well, I cannot say that I'm an expert at all. Um, Even at Christie's, our specialists at each department, they will have their focus because if you're just talking about modern art, there are so many artists in this category and you need to know about their life, their artworks and also their art market. So I would, I definitely am not an expert in in all the subjects that we cover, but I think I am so interested in them. I kind of know enough for me to structure a program that I think will be really, really attractive to people who want to gain a deep understanding of the subject.
0: Let's also talk about how you develop a new course. What can you tell me about this? How do you go about designing a new subject?
1: Sure. For example, um, last year I designed a course called the Global Icons that brings together specialists from Christie's Hong Kong, New York, Paris, and London for them to talk about the top artists from their own region. So the specialist in London, she will be talking about the most important British artists, such as Bacon and then Freud. And the specialist in New York, she will be talking about the NFT artists because New York is where we sold the very first NFT. Also, some of the most important post-war artists from New York. And then we have the specialist from Paris. He talked about the French artists after the war. And so the idea is really comes from the fact that Christie's is such a global platform. And we really bring the best artists uh, from each area of the world, each region of the world, to our collectors. And also our collector base is also incredibly global. In Asia, when we have an uh, auction uh, here, there will be bidders from New York, from London. And when we have an auction in London or New York, like one-third of the bidding are coming from Asia. So it's it's really because of this, how global our platform is and how global art is right now that caused me to think about maybe I should design a course that can bring together all the best artists from the world. So that's an example. Another example is the luxury fashion one I just mentioned to you. It came about because a very, um, the art historian, she is focused on textile history. So she approached us and presented the idea. And then I think about her expertise, and I think about oh, what could be some of the things, aspects about luxury fashion that can be attractive to all Asian audience. So I think oh, maybe people will be interested in learning about the Met Gala. Maybe people will be interested in learning about how do you dress Mr. Bong and the Bong bomb girl, bomb girls. Maybe people will be interested in learning about the history of kimonos, of the dragon robes, of the imperial Chinese courts. Maybe people will be interested in learning about the the ro- wardrobes of the royalties in Europe. So gradually, some of the topics come up, and then we, we come up with the course.
0: How long is the luxury fashion course?
1: Uh, the luxury fashion course is a six-week Uh, course. So each uh, Tuesday afternoon, we will have one lecture. Uh, We'll have one lecture on the Met Gala, one lecture on the traditional costumes such as the kimono and dragon robes, one lecture on how fashion and art collide, like how art influenced the design of luxury fashion, and then lecture on the screen, celebrity styling, and also the royal uh,
0: wardrobe. And what about the length of each lecture?
1: Uh, Each lecture is usually one hour and 15 minutes plus 15-minute Q&A.
0: Does that mean that for this course you are unable to see the real garments?
1: Um, So this course is very dependent on beautiful images presented by the speaker. But for our Ming Dynasty course, so we upcoming we have a course on the arts of Ming Dynasty, from ceramics to Chinese paintings to furniture. Um, So after this course, the participants will be offered the opportunity to come to the convention center during our auction preview in November to see some of the best examples of Ming Dynasty art. So after you learn the art history, the theories, you can come to see the objects and handle them uh, in person.
0: What I understand through this conversation is that you have many roles from designing the curriculum, but also a major part is to facilitate events.
1: Thank you. Um, so I guess another very important role is that I facilitate, meaning I will always be online when the speaker teaches. And also at the end of the each session, the usually people ask questions, but sometimes they don't. So I need to ask some questions to, to make sure... The key message of the lecture is there, it's clear. And sometimes the lectures take the form of a conversation. So I need to talk to the speaker and I need to moderate the speaker. I need to ask the right questions. A lot of our students, they are starting to collect and they are so new to the art market that they don't know actually what kind of questions to ask yet. And so a big part of my job is to help them and guide them on the right direction, uh, what kind of question you should be asking uh, when you are trying to spend money and buy a certain object. And I think that uh, is actually quite important when it comes to our education and bringing people into the door, uh, so to speak.
0: What do you advise new students on how to form the right questions?
1: I, well, this is the first time I get asked this question, I have to say. I myself ask our speakers a lot what advice do you give to the students when they are starting to collect, right? And advice is always trying to figure out what you like first. I think this is the same with your, to your question. Um, you need to develop an area, you need to figure out an area of art that you really are passionate about and are willing to commit to investing time and money in collecting. And once you know your direction, you start reading about the category. You read the art history books, you also should read um, the auction categories. The more you read, you just naturally will start having questions. But obviously, it also depends on who you are talking to. If you are talking to a specialist at Christie's, I would say ask them questions about the market. Ask them the questions about the value of these objects, ask them questions about how rare these objects are. But if you're talking to a university professor, um, you should be asking them questions about, oh, what is the art historical context in which these objects are produced? Know who you're asking and try to get their advice. Mm-hmm.
0: Is it true that Asian and specifically Hong Kong audience is more interested in the value of art and art as an investment?
1: Um, I have to say, based on our experience designing these courses, it is kind of true. For example, when we have a course, the title goes something like collecting and investing, they tend to do really, really well. And the questions coming from the audience are also a lot of times related to whether something can hold its value, whether this is the right artist to focus on. But again, we have audience joining from Europe sometimes and sometimes from the US. The fact that they didn't raise these questions does not mean that they're not thinking about it. But I do, when we plan courses, we do try to keep that in mind. We always make sure the elements of the course include this kind of investment and collecting angle, practical angle, because number one, this is what Christie's specialist is good at. And number two, it is a question that a lot of people care
0: about. Having facilitated these courses, and I'm sure you've spoken with many students, what is your viewpoint when a new student joins the course and considers starting an art collection?
1: Well, it depends on your goal. If you want to build a collection that has a focus, then you have no choice but to focus. But if you are collecting like, for example, Anne and Gordon Getty, who is collecting to just to live with art, then you don't have to have a special area. You can collect some decorative arts from Germany. You can collect some Chinese ceramics. You can also collect some Monet, some Impressionist painting or contemporary art. You can, if you're very young and into cryptocurrency, you can also collect NFT. if you're not collecting, you just want to appreciate art, then I encourage you to be very wide. Go go broad and go wide, because art is such a great way to learn about different culture, to learn about people's lives. It's just a window into a richer life, I, I truly believe. Before I went to study art, when I was working as a lawyer, I feel my life is very one-dimensional. It's just the law. And after I study art, suddenly, once you decided that you can expand into another field, it really opens the door that, oh, actually, there's so much more, so much more there that can make your life uh, more interesting and richer. And just like when you travel to a new city, if you are interested in art, suddenly you have much more places to visit. Uh, not just the biggest, most famous uh, names, right? There are galleries, there are interesting artsy districts. Art appreciation should become part of your way of living, and that's how you can continue to learn and be educated about art. What about
0: your collaboration with other educational programs at Christie's? What can you tell me about how you communicate with teens from all over the world?
1: Yes, we do. We have weekly meetings with other teams. And sometimes Asia will have a very good course, a very good idea. And then uh, New York and London uh, will also uh, borrow the idea and try to launch something similar. And sometimes New York or London have a great idea. And a course, that does really, really well. And we will also try to do it our own version. So for example, New York started this uh, jewelry course, which is like a jewelry gallery crawl. So we take students to visit some important jewelry houses and workshops for them to appreciate the jewelry making process. So we have been doing our own version. It's called Lux in the City. So we take our students to visit some of the most famous jewelry designers, such as Cindy Chow and also Boghossian, uh, where we will look at the design, look at the the history of this 100-year-old jewelry houses. And it's been very popular.
0: Before we began this conversation, you mentioned that Christie's in New York had auctioned an NFT. Do you offer a course in NFTs as well?
1: Yes, so after we sold the NFT in March, we launched a NFT course right away in London, and then right away in the Mandarin version of it in Hong Kong. And these two courses were very, very popular, because obviously it's the hottest topic uh, yeah, we need to act very fast. Whenever something really, really big in our market happened, and we should have a course around it. Because one of our advantages is to be timely, be close to the market. And we also have been do running the R and Tech summits globally. Um, so there's one in London, and one in New York, and one in Hong Kong. And then again, New York, London, and Hong Kong. So every year, we try to bring this topic up to date what is the latest trend in the art and tech space? Uh, who is the um, most sought of NFT artists? Um, we try to make sure these subjects that uh, people are interested in and also attractive, uh, they can always learn these uh, with Christie's education.
0: You just referred to an art and tech summit. What more can you say about this art and tech summit?
1: So we... Um, so it's really a big big conference throughout the day we invite many 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 speakers from some artists for example some artists who make digital art or some gallery who work with nft artists and some companies that specialize in virtual reality mixed reality and we bring all of them together. And they are all grouped under different topics and they will each share their views in the format of a panel discussion uh, to discuss these various uh, topics uh, related to art and tech.
0: So you have many different formats beside the courses. You do summits, tours, conferences, and what else?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, online courses, in-person courses, art tours, uh, art and tech summits, uh, academic conferences uh, some of, in some of the years and guided tours. Yes, and we are actually quite a small team uh, in Asia here and we have been running a lot of courses.
0: The many different formats that you offer, is that because there's such a high demand for this in Asia or why is that?
1: Because we really believe that there's huge demand for our education in Asia. And obviously, there are many, many different institutions that offer art courses, Uh, but we do have our own unique advantages. We believe we can, through all these courses, really cover everything that we sell at Christie's. It's just how we curate the courses throughout the year and also how, yeah, we wish we could do more. It's just that we don't have enough time and manpower because... Just like I said, every time at our auction preview, you have a Picasso, a Monet, and then you have 12 million Ming Dynasty blue and white dragon jar. These are all very, each of these objects is, you can learn about it for a whole day, right? You can plan so many, so there's so much content being offered at Christie's. And if we don't do more, we feel that, wow, we are not doing justice to to all the things that we are offering.
0: When you host an in-person workshop and class, what is the typical size of this? How many students enroll per class?
1: Before COVID, during our auction season, each class can be 20 to 30 people. And many of them come from mainland China. Since COVID, because of the travel restrictions, the classes are much smaller, uh, mostly Hong Kong-based students. But if we do virtual, again, we will have many people joining from mainland China. And our class size ranges from 10 plus
0: to 30. Is the virtual format new, or was this already in place before COVID happened?
1: Not really. So virtual is really A total reinvention, innovation since COVID. I I still remember when COVID first happened, we had to postpone our courses for one month, okay, we'll wait. Another month, okay, we'll wait. And then we realized probably this is going to be a long term thing. We have to figure out ways to continue to run courses. So thanks to Sarah, the director of Christie's Education, it was her idea to bring everything online. And the first virtual course that we launched was Arts of China. It's a 12-week program that covers from the Tang Dynasty all the way to Qing Dynasty, from ceramics to paintings. So it's like an all-comprehensive guide on collecting the arts of China. When we first did it, we weren't sure about how it's going to work. Will people pay to listen to courses online? As it turned out that you probably know uh, during COVID, many, many people paid for education online. Um, So yeah, we did really, really well. So uh, virtual has been established since then. And I don't think we'll ever give up virtual again because we can bring in speakers from everywhere. And then we can connect with students anywhere. It's just like our auctions at Christie's. We'll always be very big on online bidding, joining from everywhere. So I think in this way, COVID really changed our model a lot.
0: What about the handling of arts? How does that work in a virtual classroom?
1: We, we try to do virtual handling, <laughs> meaning our specialists will be handled link the object and we will use our phone and film it through zoom but i don't think that's the best user experience i have to say Uh, it doesn't do justice to the objects also the students can't really have that tactile feel how smooth the this vase is or how heavy this gold sculpture is right so that part is not ideal in the virtual format, but lecture virtually works quite well. And I guess another element that is missing out for the virtual courses is the networking. A lot of our students, they come to our courses, they love making friends with their fellow students and also be connected to our specialists and auctioneers and scholars. And they, a lot of times the, the conversation after the lecture can really lead to a lot of future learning opportunities. Um, so we, we really look forward to bring back more in-person courses to give our um, audience, the participants, the opportunity to really get to know our speakers.
0: And how do you develop and manage your community of students? How do you re-engage the alumni and previous students?
1: Um, For example, we had a symposium on jewelry in Shanghai in 2018, I believe. But since COVID, our team cannot go to Shanghai anymore. But whenever our Shanghai office has previews events, will be sure to share those events with the students who attended the symposium in 2018. And then they can always go back and look at art together. And so, yeah, we create this little community uh, of our alumni.
0: People can't see it, but on the table I can see a book called, if I read it correctly, because it's upside down. The title is The Art World is Waiting. What can you say about this?
1: So it's our brochure of all the programs for the academic year of 2022 and 2023. And it lists all the courses that will happen in New York, Hong Kong, London, and uh, online. It's a really nice uh, booklet where you can just, you can flip through and then you will see, oh, managing a collection. Oh, from cocktails to conservation how do you care for your collection or how do you curate contemporary art how do you curate jewelry uh, luxury item and then there will be watches and old master paintings so it's a great idea for you to discover what area of art that you're interested in learning it can be our history or it can be our market or it can be curating this practical, uh, professional-related aspect of the art world. Um, So it really shows how wide our course offering is. There's definitely something for everybody.
0: What about if you're not in Hong Kong? Is this brochure available online as well? PDF
1: on the Christie's Education website. Uh, But I, I really wonder how many people these days Look at websites anymore. Don't people just go to Instagram account and try to find out what's the latest upcoming courses? Or in China they just look at WeChat?
0: The other role which requires a lot of your time is to promote and market the art courses, workshops and summits. Do you mind just speak more about this?
1: Well, marketing our courses is a huge part of what we do and it takes up a lot of time. Yes, we, on one hand, we have all these great courses, but on the other hand, we're really thinking about constantly how we can let people know about it, right? And to be honest, here in Asia, we have so many different marketing channels. We have oh, email, we have the website, we have Instagram, we have LinkedIn, we have Twitter, and then we have several Chinese medium, uh, The Little Red Book, WeChat, WeChat mini program, and our own personal WeChat networks. So for each single course, we need to prepare materials in both English, Mandarin, uh, both simplified and traditional Chinese. And then we need to send our information to all these different platforms. And you can imagine how much work it is. Yeah, I would love to know how we can make more people aware of our courses, I have to say. You need to be really, really creative with promoting your courses these days because there's a lot of competition, I have to say. And there's a lot of free content as well. If you just YouTube Arts of China, you can get many, many videos, right? And why do people pay to take our courses? So we need to write about our highlights, write about the unique points of these courses, and we need to find very attractive images to showcase the course, we are competing for people's attention, just like a million other businesses are. And yeah, it's an endless effort, I have to say.
0: Christie's Education is not an NGO, but a for-profit business. So what is the purpose for hosting and providing all these amazing art courses?
1: As you probably already see, our course fees, pretty high premium educational product obviously think it's worth that price uh, given the expertise that we're bringing in it is not easy to convince people to pay relatively high price for a educational course unless that person is really serious about collecting which makes one of the missions of Christie's education actually is converting people to collectors so we obviously we can make our courses all free and attract a thousand people, but we have chosen the business model of so that people who are willing to pay for this course, are financially ready, and are genuinely interested in starting to collect, those are the target audience. Those people have higher chance for us to convert them to actual buyers at Christie's. But again, learning about art is not everybody's priority. It is my priority, it's our priority, but people are busy these days. And in the beginning of COVID, a lot of people are very open and they are willing to take a lot of online courses. But I think more recent years, people are all tired from taking classes on Zoom and live kind of resumes already, right? You get busy with whatever you are doing anyway. So the marketing is something that, we need to really work on to make sure people know that we're offering this and it's really worth taking, worth spending the time and the money. But luckily, uh, we feel that we have a really, really big target audience, meaning all the people who want to learn about art in Asia. Um, So theoretically, Maybe some people are getting tired, but you still have so many other people who are still very interested in our education, right? That's why we keep launching very interesting, fresh topics, useful, insightful courses, and we keep working on building our social media network. This year, we launched our Christie's Education's official account on the Little Red Book, which is a very popular social media It's like the Chinese version of Instagram, basically. And we are receiving a lot of good feedback on that platform.
0: The skill sets you possess must be really broad because from what I understand, not only do you design the courses, you facilitate the workshops, you host gallery visits, and you promote them as well. That must be a really rich experience to be able to work in so many different domains.
1: Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I now that we've talked about it, I realize, <laughs> well, we are a team. It's not just me. It's also uh, Sarah. It's also my colleague Alice. We're so small that everybody just have to do everything a little bit. And I think one of the biggest thing I learned from working at Christie's is how important marketing is. The value of art a lot of it comes from the exposure, comes from education. The reason why we are doing all these courses on the blue and white is because the more we share the history, the importance of these object with the audience, the more they'll realize, they'll recognize their, their value, right? So marketing itself is also, for me, learning about objects. Even posting Instagrams, I have to say sometimes, wow, I need to market our upcoming course what kind of image will be most representative of the spirit of this course what image will be most attractive to get people to click through my post Uh, yeah these are all the things that we need to be thinking about
0: i'm also really curious to hear your perspective on the opening of m plus hong kong museum of art and the palace museum here in hong kong do you think they have had a positive impact in terms of the demand and interest in the art in Hong Kong?
1: Definitely. Uh, I think just like you said, the opening of these massive museums is a great cause, I think, leading to more local interests. And M Plus is doing the Kusama exhibition in November. I'm sure that will attract even more people to discover the art world, to they probably won't go to M plus other than to see Kusama because they know Kusama, right? But once they see Kusama, they will see the other galleries in the M plus museum. They will see, oh, there's the palace museum next door. more interest coming from the local uh, residences here in Hong Kong. And also, I think they are more interested in local in art in Hong Kong is because they cannot travel for two years for the longest time, right? And then what to do? So uh, when we launched our art in the city, the series this summer, uh, it was super popular. It was sold out very quickly. All the local people living in Hong Kong, in the summer, they cannot travel to Venice or Paris. What can they do in Hong Kong? Well, they can come to Christmas Education and go to see galleries with us. Yeah, so we did uh, several weekends visiting the galleries in Central, in Shionwan, in South Side. In fact, this afternoon, we have another Southside Gallery visit coming up. Well, they didn't know that there are so many galleries in Hong Kong, they also, for the first time, come to a gallery. Somebody is there to actually walk them through and explain to them what's going on in these paintings, who is the artist. Uh, we are cultivating a very nice group of local community who now knows oh, where they can go see art and who they can look for uh, if they want to learn more about the artists.
0: Can you speak more about the Gallery Art City Walks? What is this initiative?
1: Uh, We started this summer. So it's called Art in the City. So this is the series. It's called, we branded Art in the City. So for each season, summer, autumn, maybe not the winter because it's Christmas time, maybe in the spring next year again, uh, each season there will be several weeks, uh, maybe Saturday afternoons or maybe Wednesday afternoons, And each afternoon will be in one area in Hong Kong. Yeah, so it's a series and we try to curate it by making sure the galleries we're visiting have shows and making sure it's diverse and making sure we can always have the, the founder of the gallery or the director of the gallery to come speak to us.
0: What else do you have on your wish list? And what can we expect from Christie's education going forward?
1: Um, yeah for the upcoming seasons there are so many topics I want to explore I want to do a course on, on the Ukiyo-e Japanese Upload Prints which is a personal passion I also want to do a course on anime uh, so the manga drawings and uh, the cellgas from the iconic Japanese anime TVs what else? Oh I look forward to traveling back to China and run symposiums in Shanghai and Beijing. And I
0: think that's it. Is there a limitation to how many courses and summits and workshops you can host and manage?
1: There's no limitation to the more is more, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I, I, so I understand that we want to have this kind of continuity, this continued presence that we're always doing something. Every time you go to our Instagram page or you go to our website, there's something going on that anytime you want to learn about art, we have something to offer. That's our goal. So working hard on that. But the truth is, sometimes the audience, they're so interested and and passionate. They're just so happy to be able to join our courses, or come with us to see the, the galleries. Um, and for example, some of the gallery visits, it doesn't require professor to come give a lecture. It doesn't require a long-term planning, right? But these sometimes are the most exciting thing, events for our students, because they can meet the gallery uh, director or the founder. Uh, they can ask them questions. It's very intimate.
0: You have attended many different courses in art subjects. Do you have a specific personal interest, a domain that interests you more than other ones?
1: I am still trying to find, figure that out, I have to say. Basically, every time I listen to a lecture, I will get so excited that I've decided that this is my favorite. But then the next day, there's another lecture, and I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. I'm too excited. I need to learn more about it. I haven't been able to decide on my favor because every day I'm learning about something new, about one category. And the more you know, the more you become interested, right? So I will continue my journey to be a generalist, I guess.
0: <laughs> We've come to the end and we need to wrap this up, E. So I'm going to ask you the final question about Your Last Supper. If you were to have one, which artist would you like to invite and why?
1: Well, I will definitely invite Picasso. Maybe you get this answer quite a lot. Number one, I truly, truly love his works from his neoclassical period. I think it's the 1910s. Number two, he is just so talented and he has mastered so many different styles. He's just this explosive energy. He's this quintessential artist, right? So such a genius. And I would really want to know about his creative process. Like how do you come up with all these new ideas of painting, about painting?
0: Many thanks Eve for taking the time to sit down with me and explaining more about Christie's education in Asia.
1: Thank you. It's very nice talking to you.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode with IGAO e. of Christie's Education in Hong Kong. That's it for this episode of The Last Supper. I already mentioned this at the beginning of this podcast, but in order to continue to offer episodes for free, we will need your support. Simply subscribe to this podcast, give it a star rating, leave a comment or share it with people who you think benefit as well from listening to this weekly podcast about art in Asia. You can find more information on my Instagram at thelastsupper.asia and on my website www.oscarvenhuis.com. And before I go, if you have any further questions or suggestions, feel free to message me on my email. And don't worry if you don't have a pen and paper to write it all down because I will post all the links, references of my guest and my contacts email in this podcast description as well.